uh, writing from Ephesus. Ephesus at the western end of what we call today Turkey. Uh, Ephesus and the area surrounding it was called Asia Minor. Corinth, of course, is further west across the Aegean Sea in the southern part of uh, Greece, uh, in the southern part of, uh, of Greece. I am hoping to come to you. Uh, I will come to you when I pass through Macedonia, verse 5, and it may be that I will winter uh, with you. Maybe that I will winter with you. Remember that uh, people did not travel much during the winter months. Travel often meant travel by sea, although there was also a good deal of travel by land. And uh, the Mediterranean Sea in those times, not a good idea to be sailing uh, beyond uh, September. You might say, why is it different in this day? No, it's not different weather-wise. It's just we have better ships. <laughs> um, but uh, in those days, uh, after September, mostly, uh, mostly uh, the sea activity uh, diminished uh, greatly. And so it may be that I will come uh, to you and winter uh, uh, with you, uh, and winter with you. Now, another thing to keep in mind is winter wasn't a great time for travel by land either, all right, because you're not driving around in a car. You are mostly, people like uh, uh, Paul the Apostle would be mostly walking, uh, would be mostly walking from uh, from place to place. And so, weather, like the weather we're experiencing today, uh, it would not be a time to make uh, long journeys to go from place uh, uh, to, uh, to place. Uh, whether by land or by sea, uh, travel would diminish, would decrease during the winter uh, uh, months. Uh, look with me at three uh, verses that speak of these, uh, uh, this particular point. Uh, look at Acts 27 and verse 12. Now this is on the journey to Rome uh, when Paul was a prisoner. Acts 27 and verse 12. It says, because the haven, a particular harbor, was not commodious, was not suitable to winter in. The greater part advised to depart from there also, if by any means they might attain to Phoenicia and there to winter, which is a haven, a harbor of Crete, and lies towards the southwest and northwest. Uh, so, uh, in this case, in this situation, uh, they had reached Crete, uh, but they wanted to go a little bit farther uh, and stay at another harbor in Crete, because that other harbor was a better place to winter, to remain for the winter months. Uh, look at Titus chapter 3 and verse 12. Titus chapter 3 and uh, verse uh, 12. Um, when I shall send Artemis unto thee, or Tychicus, be diligent to come unto me at Nicopolis, for I have determined there to winter. I've determined there uh, to winter. Uh, and the statement of 2 Timothy chapter 4 and uh, verse 12. Uh, 2 Timothy 4, 12 and the beginning of the verse. Um, 
Ah, uh, excuse me, it's four, it's 21, not 12. Do thy diligence to come before winter. Do your diligence to come uh, before, uh, uh, before uh, winter. Uh, so, uh, it may be that I will winter uh, uh, with you when I have passed through uh, Macedonia. Uh, we talked about what eventually developed. There was possibly a second visit, perhaps an emergency uh, visit. We don't know that much about it. Uh, things apparently did not go well uh, when Paul visited Corinth a second time. That visit, therefore, may have been short. And then afterwards, he visited a third uh, time. Before his third visit, uh, he was going through Macedonia and intending to go down through the Greek peninsula to go south and reach Corinth. And from Macedonia, before his third visit, uh, he wrote the letter of Second uh, Corinthians. He wrote the letter of Second uh, Corinthians. So, uh, I will winter uh, with you, so that you will bring me on my journey. Uh, end of uh, verse 6. Paul seems to have had a pattern when he stayed in a place for a certain time to work as a tent maker, which was a craft that he had experience in, and through his work to support himself and his co-workers. Now, when it came time to leave, even if he had been working to support himself and his team members, it seems like when it came time to leave, he did expect uh, the people among whom he had been serving, he did expect them to help him, to supply him, uh, to uh, provide for him in a way which would at least allow him to reach the next place. Uh, uh, to reach uh, the next place. Uh, look at uh, some verses that relate to uh, these uh, matters which I just mentioned. First, in the book of Acts, uh, Acts chapter 18 uh, is the chapter that has to do with Corinth and with his visit, his first visit there. Acts chapter 18, in the beginning of the chapter, after these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth, and found a certain Jew named Achilla, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome, and came unto them, and because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and worked, for by their occupation they were tent makers. I believe it's only here that we are specifically told uh, that Paul worked as a tent maker. Now, in other places, he mentions uh, working to provide for his needs. Look at Acts chapter 20 and verse 34. Acts 20, 34. Yea, ye yourselves know, ye yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 12, Corinthians al-Ula arba uh, nash, uh, and labor, we labor, 
working with our own hands. Being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, we uh, endure it. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6. 1 Corinthians 9, 6. Or I only and Barnabas have we no right to forbear working. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 5. Again, speaking of his working here mentioned briefly. In stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors. Uh, in uh, labors. Uh, in 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 9. Thessaloniki al-Ulas hatnein wal-adad tisa. For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail. For laboring night and day because we would not be chargeable to any of you. See, this labor that he's referring to is likely his labor as a tent maker to support himself. Now, no doubt he labored diligently in terms of delivering the message to people as well. But he says here, so that we wouldn't be chargeable to you. So this is likely his labor uh, in uh, providing for his own needs through tent making. We labored night and day so that we wouldn't be chargeable uh, uh, unto any of you. Second Thessalonians uh, chapter 3 and verses 7 and 8. Uh, for ye yourselves know how ye ought to follow us. For we behave not ourselves disorderly among you, neither did we eat any man's bread for nothing, but wrought with labor and travail night and day, that we might not be chargeable to any of you. To any of you. So, in Acts, and 1 Corinthians, and 2 Corinthians, 1 Thessalonians, and 2 Thessalonians, uh, the fact that Paul labored with his hands to provide for his needs uh, is mentioned, uh, is mentioned, and I think we can say that that's enough mentions uh, to conclude with a certain amount of confidence that might have well been the general pattern of what he uh, uh, of of what he uh, did. Uh, uh, of what he did. Uh, I didn't say universal pattern. Uh, when Lydia, for instance, opened her house and probably provided for them in other ways in Philippi, probably he didn't get involved in making tents there. Uh, but we don't often uh, hear of someone providing in that, uh, in that particular uh, way. Uh, in terms of receiving help for uh, uh, travel, uh, uh, receiving help for uh, travel, uh, Acts chapter 15 and uh, verse uh, 3 uh, tells us that we were brought on the way by the church. Uh, Romans 15:24 uh, says, uh, I trust to be brought on my way by you. Uh, I want to make my way to Rome, and then in the same verse he says, I want to go on to Spain, so I trust that you will bring me on the way, that you will provide for me to a certain extent in a way that will help me get from Rome to Spain. Uh, to Spain. Titus chapter 3 and verse 13, bring Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their journey diligently so that nothing will be wanting. Third John 
and verses 5 and 6 uh, speaking uh, speak of helping the brethren, uh, uh, helping bring them forward on their uh, journey. Uh, on their journey. Uh, I want to uh, winter with you, and ye may bring me on my journey wherever uh, I go. It may be, it may be the use of the word may uh, in uh, verse uh, 6 is uh, probably something uh, that has an element of politeness uh, uh, in it. Uh, if he said you must do these things, uh, there would be somehow an element of uh, authority uh, and uh, uh, an element, an element uh, of authoritarianism. And so in a polite way, he says, I hope that these things happen, leaving it up to them. نوعا ما بيترك الموضوع إلون بدون ما يقول بدكم تعملوا هيك أو هيك في طبعا تمني وخطة وعم بيعبر عن هالشيء لكن بدون ما يكون في هالسلطة الجازمة بالأمر I don't want to see you for a short time. Of course, he wanted to see them, but in verse 7, he says, I want to see you for a lengthy period. I don't want to see you uh, a certain length of uh, time. Uh, uh, I want to see you a certain length of time. Now, uh, look at what he says at the end of verse 7. He says, if the Lord permits is a rab bismah. And um, this is something that we see as well in several other uh, passages. Is a rab arad. Is a rab sheh. Minshufa bi maqata ukhra akhtar min marja. Acts chapter 18 and verse 21. Amel 18, 21. Biwadda al-ikhwi. Biillun raih hala. على أورشليم لكن رح أرجع لعندكم إن أراد الرب If the Lord wills uh, I will come back to Ephesus Acts chapter 18 and verse 21 uh, Romans 1 and verse 10 رومي واحد عشرة بكلام مع مؤمني مدينة روما بيقول إنه أنا حابب إنه إجي لعندكم بإرادة الرب I want to come unto you by the will of God and he says the same thing in Romans 15 and verse 32, Rumi 15, and at the Ilaikum, be Mashiat Allah. Be Mashiat Allah. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 19, I will come shortly if God wills. In Sha'arab, in Arad Arab. Of course, the passage, perhaps more than others, that uh, speaks of this uh, is in the book of James, and at the end of chapter four, Ya'ub wal Ishaq Rabah, wa ibtida'an min adat latash. James chapter four, and beginning with verse thirteen. Come now, ye that say today or tomorrow. We will go into such a city, we'll continue there a year, we'll buy, we'll sell, we'll get gain, whereas you know not what should be on the next day. 
For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a short while, then vanishes away. For you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. That's what you ought uh, to say. Uh, that's what you ought to say. Uh, also notice three verses in the Old Testament regarding this same matter, if the Lord wills. Uh, in the book of Proverbs, first of all, Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 9, Amthel Sotash wa al-Adad Tisa. The Bible says, A man's heart divides his way, but the Lord directs his steps. But the Lord directs his steps. Uh, Proverbs 20 and verse 24, Amthel Ashreen Arba Ashreen. Man's goings are of the Lord. How can a man then understand his own way? Man's goings are of the Lord. And also in Jeremiah, chapter 10 and verse 23, Armiya Ishaq Ashra wa al-Adad Tlata Ashreen. O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walks to direct his uh, steps, uh, to direct his uh, steps. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 6, uh, uh, excuse me, verse 7, I'll not see you now uh, for a short uh, uh, visit. I trust to tarry a while with you. I want to make a lengthy visit uh, if the Lord uh, uh, permits, uh, if the Lord permits. Uh, so there is an acknowledgement, of course, of God's uh, authority, uh, of uh, his uh, guiding, of the fact that he is sovereign. That's part of uh, what we see here. And there's also, as I was mentioning, an acknowledgement of uh, their uh, um, of their will in a particular matter, so that he does not say, I'm coming, whether you like it or not. <laughs> uh, whether you like it uh, or not. It may be that I'll come, and I trust to tarry a while uh, with you. Again, uh, an element of politeness, uh, recognizing that they have uh, a say in the matter. Uh, a say uh, in the matter. Uh, so, uh, I don't want to see you for a short time. I want to see you for a lengthy time. Why does he say, I want to see you for a lengthy time? Let's go back to 1 Corinthians 4 and uh, read from verse 18 to verse 21. 1 Corinthians 4, beginning with verse 18. Now some are puffed up as though I would not come to you, but I will come to you shortly if the Lord will, and will know not the speech of them who are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. What will ye? Shall I come unto you with a rod, or in love, and in the spirit of meekness? Also, 1 Corinthians 11.34. 1 Corinthians 11.34. If any man hunger, let him eat at home, that he come not together unto judgment, and the rest will I set in order when I come. When he says, I want to come and tarry with you, perhaps part of the idea is, ladies, gentlemen, you have a lot of problems. There's a lot that needs to be corrected. There's a lot that needs to be straightened out. 
And that's why I'd like to come, not for a short visit, but I'd like to come for a relatively lengthy uh, stay. For a relatively lengthy uh, stay. So, uh, I trust to tarry a while with you. Because you need it. <laughs> because, uh, because you need it. Maybe, maybe that is part of the uh, picture. Verse 8, but I will tarry at Ephesus until uh, Pentecost. Uh, until uh, Pentecost. And verse 8, and if you look also at uh, what is mentioned immediately after, a great door and effectual is opened unto me, uh, this makes clear, very, very clear, that he was in Ephesus when he wrote uh, this uh, uh, letter. Uh, Ephesus was uh, one of the places that he stayed for quite some time. Uh, Go back to the book of Acts, chapter 19, and uh, this is uh, part of what uh, people call uh, Paul's third missionary journey. Acts, chapter 19, is the chapter of Ephesus, you might say, and uh, we want to look at several things there, but first, uh, first let's read uh, from verse 8 to verse 10. Uh, I want to tarry at Ephesus. Look at his tarrying at Ephesus, the time period that he spent there. He went into a synagogue. He spoke boldly for the space of three months. Okay, so you see the three months. Disputing and persuading uh, the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when some were hardened and believed not and spoke evil of that way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. And this continued for the space of two years. So you have the three months mentioned initially, and probably two years should be thought of as an additional time. And uh, so you end up with a stay in Ephesus of around two years and three months of around two years and uh, three uh, months. I will tarry at Ephesus uh, until uh, Pentecost. Now, uh, Pentecost. Uh, the feast which is mentioned in the Old Testament. Let's read a few verses quickly, first from Leviticus and then uh, Deuteronomy. Uh, First from Leviticus and chapter 23 and verses 15 and 16. You will count unto you from the next day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be complete. Even unto the next day after the seventh Sabbath shall ye number fifty days. And ye shall offer a new meal offering unto the Lord. That new meal offering, which is after seven weeks, and then it's the next day, that's Pentecost. Seven weeks, seven times seven, 49 plus one day is 50. And in Arabic, Pentecost is very explicitly, it's the day of 50, Yom al-Khamsin. Uh, a similar uh, uh, statement is found in the book of Deuteronomy, uh, in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 16, again, this is the description of Pentecost in uh, the law. 
Deuteronomy 16, verses 9 and 10, Seven weeks shalt thou number unto thee, begin to number the seven weeks, from such time as thou beginnest to put the sickle to the grain. And thou shalt keep the feast of weeks unto the Lord thy God with a tribute of a freewill offering of thine hand, which thou shalt give unto the Lord thy God, according as the Lord thy God has blessed thee. Has uh, blessed thee. I tarry at Pentecost. Uh, I tarry, uh, sorry, I tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. Not, uh, not I tarry at Pentecost. I tarry at Ephesus until uh, Pentecost. Notice that he doesn't need to explain what Pentecost is, and that seems to tell us that they would understand, uh, that they uh, would know, uh, because some of them were from a Jewish uh, uh, background. Again, going back to Acts 19, that's the Ephesus, uh, 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 sorry, Acts 18 is the Corinth chapter uh, in, uh, in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 18 uh, tells us of the mixed background, some Jews, some Gentiles of the Corinth believers. Uh, look at Acts chapter 18 and verse 4. In the synagogue he reasoned every Sabbath, and he persuaded Jews and Greeks. In the synagogue there were Greeks who attended the synagogue. There were Gentiles who had been influenced by the message of the Old Testament. Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia. Paul was pressed in the spirit, testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. They opposed, they blasphemed. He said, your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From now I will go to the Gentiles. He departed into a certain man's house, Titus Justus. Uh, the house was right next to the synagogue. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue. Now, the chief ruler of the synagogue is, I think we can say with certainty, someone from a Jewish background. Uh, the chief ruler of the synagogue believed on the Lord with all his house, and many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. So, church in Corinth, some people from a Jewish background, some people from a Gentile background. What percentage this and what percentage that? We don't know. But he is able to tell them Pentecost without having to explain what it is. Uh, I tarry until Pentecost. Now, when is Pentecost? Well, uh, here's the simple thing that I know and the simple thing that I did based upon it. It's 50 days after Passover. So when is Passover? Passover is usually identified with what? With the Eastern Easter. Anyway, Google Passover, and I found the dates of the Passovers from, I think, 2000 until 2050. <laughs> and so I just looked at the dates and I averaged them. Uh, the average date of Passover uh, is uh, across that time span from 20 years ago to 30 years from now, uh, the average date of Pentecost is April 10. Is April 10. So if you add 50 days, and I'm not sure whether they added 50 days from the beginning of Passover because there was the Feast of Unleavened Bread for one week. Maybe they added 50 days to the end of the Passover week. Anyway, where do you end up with? Basically, end of May, beginning of June. So that's when Pentecost uh, uh, is. End of May and beginning of June 
on, on average. Uh, on average, rough calculation, approximation. Uh, <laughs> uh, don't claim uh, uh, a great accuracy, but that gives us uh, an, uh, an idea. I'm going to tarry here until Pentecost, and by the way, that's reasonable in terms of what? In terms of the idea of travel, right? Travel is going to involve some movement by sea, and of course, movement by land. By the time you get to end of May, beginning of June, all right, you're almost in the summer. This is a good time to travel. This makes, uh, uh, this makes uh, uh, sense. And these little details... Uh, are somehow interesting. They remind us that these people had real lives. And also, as you think of these things, you see once again that the Bible makes sense, that things are in harmony with each other, and that they are in harmony with information that we have from other, uh, other sources. I tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. I tarry until Pentecost... We shouldn't take it to mean, you know, day of Pentecost, tick, he goes. Uh, probably it meant something like I tarry until roughly that time. It's like someone telling you I'm coming at Christmas time. Christmas time doesn't mean that they're necessarily coming on December 25. On December uh, uh, 25. I'm going to tarry here at Ephesus. And then you see uh, in verse 9... The reason for that, uh, the reason uh, for that, uh, if he was going to say something like, I'm going to tarry here at Ephesus because what? Because I really don't want to see you guys, so I'm just going to postpone this <laughs> uh, as much as I can. No, I tarry here at Ephesus because I have a ministry uh, here in Ephesus, because the Lord is working here. Because things are happening that are a blessing to uh, the lives of people and, of course, that bring glory to the Lord's uh, name. Uh, I tarry here at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door and effectual. Uh, a wide open door for effective service. This is how it is rendered in uh, some other translations. Beb weser lichidmi fa'ali. Lichidmi fa'ali. Now, the idea of a door being opened, and this is a figure of speech that indicates opportunity, uh, found in other Bible passages. Let's quickly read. Second uh, Corinthians 2.12 Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, a door was opened to me of the Lord. A door was opened to me uh, of the Lord. Uh, Colossians chapter 4 and verse 3. This is a request for prayer. Uh, Paul asks uh, that uh, a door of utterance Praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds. Since he was a prisoner, uh, he was not a prisoner in a dungeon. This was his first imprisonment in Rome. He was under house arrest. Uh, but still, he was not free to go and come as he 
uh, as he would have desired. And, uh, uh, and so, in particular, that the Lord would provide opportunities. Of course, it's the Lord who provides in every situation, but sometimes we somehow are more aware of it uh, than at other times. Uh, Acts chapter 14 and verse 27. Uh, Acts chapter 14 and verse uh, 27. Uh, and when they were come and had gathered the church together, they reviewed all that God had done with them and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. And again, perhaps uh, uh, the most uh, familiar statement that involves the image of a door, Revelation chapter 3 uh, and uh, verses 7 and 8 uh, to the church of uh, Philadelphia. To the angel of the church of Philadelphia write these things, says he that is holy, he that is true, he that has the key of David, he that opens and no man shuts, and he that shuts and no man opens. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name, and has not uh, denied my name. There's a door, a great door, uh, that uh, the Lord has opened here in uh, Ephesus. Uh, look at Acts chapter 19 and verse uh, 10. We've been going back and forth between two chapters in the book of Acts. 18 is mostly about Corinth. 19 is about Ephesus. Uh, so, the Lord has opened a great door in uh, Ephesus, Acts chapter 19 and verse 10, and this continued for the space of two years, so that all they who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. All right? Ephesus was, to some extent, a hub, uh, a, a, a city which had a great deal of influence and connections. Now I'm in Merkaz. Uh, great uh, connections to the surrounding area, the western part of what we call today Turkey, known as Asia or Asia Minor. Paul continued for the space of two years, and everyone in Asia, uh, everyone uh, in Asia uh, heard the word, both Jews and, and Greeks. Now, this is a big chunk of uh, of land. Uh, this is not all of Turkey, no, no, but the western part, but it's still a relatively large area and also a relatively populous area. It had some large cities in it, large cities of that day. Ephesus, of course, was uh, a large city, but uh, also in that area, Smyrna was a large city. Pergamum uh, or Pergamos was a uh, large city. Later on, the Apostle John in the book of Revelation would write to the seven churches of Asia. When were these seven churches founded? Possibly most of them, maybe all of them, were founded as a result of the ministry of Paul the Apostle in the city of Ephesus when he continued there two years, three months plus some time, 
and all those in Asia heard the word Jews and uh, Greeks, a great door and effective is opened unto uh, me, is opened unto uh, me, a large number of people in that area uh, heard. Now it says everyone heard, everyone, these words should be understood not to be universal like the deaf people heard and the infants heard and so on, but they do indicate something that is generally true that the word was heard by all those in Asia and there was a response. And I think it's logical to think that's where the seven churches came from, including, of course, the church of, uh, of Ephesus. Uh, not often do you hear uh, uh, the Bible speaking in these terms. Uh, in uh, Philippians, what does uh, Paul say? He says, my bonds in Christ... Uh, uh, this is Philippians 1.13 are manifest in all the palace and in all other places the fact that I am imprisoned for the cause of Christ for the cause of the gospel people know about it it's not a secret quite the opposite many many people in many many places know that I am a prisoner for the sake of the message of the gospel, for the sake of Christ. Uh, another place where you have a similar uh, expression uh, is to do with John the Baptist. Mark chapter 1 and verse 5 says that all the land of Judea went to hear him in the wilderness. Went to hear him uh, in the uh, wilderness. Uh, and so, uh, an uh, open door a wide open door for effective ministry has been opened to me here. Uh, that's, that's, that's where I am right now in Ephesus. And that's why I want to tarry until, uh, until uh, Pentecost. Uh, until Pentecost. Not that I'm delaying for uh, some other uh, reason. Now, with the great door and the effective ministry, there are many adversaries. Uh, there are many uh, uh, enemies. Uh, let's go again to Acts chapter 19. Remember, 18 for Corinth and 19 for Ephesus. Uh, a great door has been opened to me uh, and, and effective, but there are many enemies. Uh, there are many enemies. We already uh, considered, uh, or we already read Acts chapter 19 and verse 9. Uh, it says that some were hardened and believed not. These are people in the synagogue, possibly Jews, more likely, I think, Jews than Gentiles, although, although there were Gentiles uh, there as well. Uh, there were Jews who were hardened. All right, there are many ad uh, adversaries. Uh, who else? Uh, is on the list of, shall we say, enemies. Uh, you have the uh, vagabond Jews exorcists who are mentioned. Uh, John, uh, Acts 19 and verse 13. Who took upon themselves to call over them who had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus. And they said to the evil spirit, we command you, we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. And then seven sons of uh, uh, of Sceva, a Jew, are mentioned and their attempt to cast out an evil spirit. 
And the evil spirit told them, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, and who are you? <laughs> and uh, so he leapt on them, and he overcame them, and prevailed against them. Uh, there were many in the city who were influenced by uh, spiritism, occult, magic, not magic in the sense of, you know, I pull a rabbit out of my sleeve and everybody knows I pulled it out of my sleeve. I just do it in a, in a, in a what, uh, in a quick way and, and, and people don't really notice. All right. No, no. We're talking about uh, things that have to do with the occult. Uh, things that have to do with uh, spirits and things that have to do with evil. Uh, with evil. And this is what it, uh, the uh, Acts chapter 19 speaks of as well. Uh, look at verses 18 and 19 of Acts chapter 19. Many who believed came and confessed and showed their deeds, and those who used magical arts brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it to be 50,000 pieces of silver. That's a lot of books, which means a lot of people who before they came to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ before they received the message. He would have counted them, so to speak, as enemies and people of that line who maintained uh, their position and didn't receive the message, no doubt were not happy with what was happening, with what was taking place. And then, of course, you have Demetrius and the silversmiths. Uh, Demetrius and the silversmiths, Acts chapter 19, uh, uh, and verse 23, there was no small stir at that time. There was a man named Demetrius, a silversmith, made silver shrines for Diana, the goddess who was particularly associated with Ephesus, also known as Artemis. Uh, as Artemis in Arabic, that's the translation of Tamiz. And he called together the workmen of like occupation, and he said, this is the craft that pays our salaries. Uh, and this man, Paul, not just here at Ephesus, but almost throughout all Asia. All right, that's testimony from Demetrius of how much the word had spread. Uh, this Paul has persuaded people to turn away from uh, Diana. There are no gods made with hands. Uh, our craft is in danger, and the temple of the great goddess Diana will be despised, and her magnificence should be destroyed whom all Asia and the world worships. If all Asia and the world worships her, then what's the problem? Uh, but anyway, um, and when they heard this, uh, say, these sayings, they were full of wrath and cried out, saying, Great is Diana of the uh, Ephesians. And so there was a riot. <laughs> uh, there was a, a riot, and they uh, got a hold of some of the uh, team members of Paul, uh, the apostle, if I remember correctly, Gaius and, Ars and Aristarchus, and they went into this, uh, the, uh, the um, theater, which remains to this day, and shouting and chanting for, uh, I think, two hours. Uh, if I remember correctly, greatest Diana of the Ephesians, Paul wanted to uh, go to them and speak to them. He didn't want Gaius and Aristarchus to be the ones, as they say in Arabic, that they would be the ones to bear the brunt of uh, this mob. But others restrained him. And then finally the, 
the, the mayor of Ephesus, the town clerk, came and said, uh, this gathering and this behavior is, is, is not right. Everybody knows who Diana is, all right, uh, and if there is a problem, then people can sue each other in the courts, and if we behave in this unruly way, then the Romans will take away such freedoms as they have granted to this city. And, and so that, uh, that put an end to uh, the, uh, the riot. So you had Jews who did not believe. You had, uh, you had spiritist and occultish Jews, the sons of Sceva. You had others who, uh, uh, who had books of magic uh, in great numbers. And you had the silversmiths uh, led by Demetrius. A great door is open to me and effectual, and there are many adversaries. And there are uh, many uh, uh, adversaries. Remember, in chapter 15, he said, uh, I fought with beasts at Ephesus. And in 2 Corinthians, remember, 2 Corinthians was written after he left Ephesus, went into Macedonia, about to go to Corinth. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, verse 8, We would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure above strength insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver uh, us. That he will yet deliver us. We had a lot of trouble in Asia. A lot of trouble out of measure, above strength, to the point that we despaired of life. So, a great door opened, wide open, for effective service, but many adversaries. Opposition and enmity exists. The Lord Jesus experienced it, and he told the disciples, if, they've hated, if they hated me, they, they're going to hate you. They're going to uh, uh, hate you. These things are going to happen, I tell you beforehand, so that when they happen, you will not be surprised. Ananias, go your way and speak to Saul of Tarsus, because he's a chosen vessel. He will bear my name before the kings and the Gentiles, and I will show him what great things he must suffer for my name's sake. A great door and effective, and many adversaries, and many adversaries. This is the way it was for Paul, and uh, I think that's a pattern that we should keep uh, in mind when there are opportunities to serve the Lord and to be a blessing to others and share the message of the gospel we should not be surprised that there will be many enemies. That there will be many uh, uh, enemies. If, if I'm sitting down and not doing that much to further the kingdom of, uh, of, uh, of God and deliver the message of the gospel, maybe I'll say I don't have that many enemies. Well, <laughs> that's because I have a ceasefire. <laughs> a ceasefire which I should not have. Uh, which uh, I, uh, I should not have. Uh, a great door, 
and uh, effective and uh, many uh, and many enemies. And so I'm going to stay here for a while uh, because I think this is where I need to be and I'm hoping uh, to come to you after Pentecost. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your servant Paul, for the ministry which you gave uh, to him. We thank you, Lord, because you are the one who opens the doors, because you are the one who speaks to hearts, because you say, is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. We pray, Lord, that you'd help us to remember that we should do as your servant Paul did when he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. We pray, Lord, that uh, you would uh, help us to follow you faithfully and to find open doors, doors which you have opened, where we can serve you and be a witness unto you. Help us to know that you are with your children, even unto the ends of the world, even to the end of the age. Yes, there are uh, adversaries, but we must be of good cheer, because you have overcome the world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.